All right, because I got script. Oh, girl, I got stuff. Oh my gosh, the research. Look at this that. is a new side of Doug Meyer I that know. I haven't seen. I know. No, I, I thought, you know what? I'm going to show up. I'm going to show her. I can, I can do some work. <laughs> I'm not always winging it. For Wait, the record, I'm not always wing it, Doug. For the record, I was not asking you to prove anything, but no, here more, we are. It was, it was, <laughs> exactly. I think it was more proof to myself. I still got it in me. All right. Welcome, everybody, to the Life Plus God podcast. I'm your host, Alyssa Robinson, and today my special guest is Reverend Doug Meyer. The Reverend. Hey, boys and girls. So glad you're here with us. I hope you had a happy Thanksgiving. And yeah, we're in Advent right now. So it is December. We're in full swing. Happy Thanksgiving. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. You know, here we go. Buckle up. So. In this Advent worship series uh, that we're calling Christmas Kaleidoscope, it might be a weird name that you haven't heard a church talk about a kaleidoscope at Christmas or anything like that before. And, And we were just thinking about, you know, all of the little broken pieces that come together to create this big, magnificent story of Jesus and God's love for us. And it's like a kaleidoscope of these individual colors, these individual broken pieces that on their own don't seem that meaningful. But when we come together and we see this grand pattern, it it's beautiful. And it's just the use of light to create beauty. And we were like, wow, what a great what a great metaphor for yeah, the think, Christmas story. I think we captured something and other people are going to go, ooh, ah, because one of the other things that uh, it didn't hit me until you just said that, but everybody sees something different when they look through a kaleidoscope. Mm-hmm. And there might as, be a different color that catches you. Well, or, yeah. yeah. And just like when everybody sees a Christmas story, uh, the birth of Christ, whatever your character is you kind of identify with, you see through your lens into their world, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, and then you can turn it, and uh, the pieces change a little differently. Man, new, no, I new perspective, unlimited new perspective. Oh man, I think yeah. we hit the hit the hit it. <laughs> so let's talk about one of those pieces of the kaleidoscope today, uh, justice. Yeah. And it it's kind of odd for us to be talking about justice. So the big question that we're asking today is how does Jesus's birth bring justice? And when we're talking about like traditional Advent, these are the topics we're used to hope, joy, peace, love, you know, all of those warm, fuzzy things. But here we are kicking it off justice. Yep. Yep. Um, so let, let's dive into that. So why, why do you think that we're, Pulling justice in to this Christmas story. Because it is the good and right thing to do. It is, Jesus is all about justice. All throughout the Old Testament, uh, the prophets foretold, don't you love that word, foretold, of uh, this Messiah coming. And man, we're going to give you scripture out the wazoo uh, of the story and how it progressed and how Zechariah and Isaiah and Micah, all these different guys, uh, gave us text, all of which culminated in Jesus the Christ, the Messiah, the um, peace bringer, and um, 
therein lies justice. And, and Jesus turned the world on its head with a new concept of justice. So, no, I, I got to tell you, when I, you know, uh, man, we, we work on this, y'all, months, months, months ahead. And when I first saw that, I, too, was like, eh, I don't know about that. That's not a fun Christmassy topic. No, yeah. <laughs> I don't see any bows and ribbons and bells. But uh, the more I did some homework, I'm like, why haven't, why, of co- but of course, I was almost indignant. I was like, of course, Jesus is the bringer of justice and a new term, a new tone, a new everything about justice. So you can tell, I'm a little caffeinated and pretty excited. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, so one of the things that's interesting is before we can talk about the justice that Jesus brings, yep. if we're saying we're seeking justice, I think the thought is there must be injustice if we're seeking justice. And so... What were the elements of injustice leading up to? Because you kind of mentioned the prophets and saying, hey, justice will come. That must have meant the people at the time were living in oppressive and unjust times. So what were the elements of injustice leading up to and surrounding Jesus's birth? You name it, it was going on. You know, they had, uh, it was um, a definite and, and I got to tell you, it's a, it sounds a little bit like our world today. There were definitely power structures wherein the haves ruled and kept power by oppressing and suppressing the have-nots. And there was definitely huge power differentials going on. And uh, Augustus, Caesar Augustus, I think was his, uh, what his friends called him. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> he, uh, he was the emperor. He was just a mean old dude. He kept power with military and might. That was the uh, kind of the uh, paradigm, the sculpt, the picture or whatever, I guess, of how people kept power back then. And it was through slavery, through taxation, uh, through power and might. We kept you know, kept the man down, kept man down, kept people down. Uh, he uh, announced that he was God, and so um, you know, people pledged allegiance to Caesar, and therein kept power. And you did what Caesar said, and he uh, convinced the people, or just bullied the people, that he had godlike powers and godlike authority, and was there because you know. It just feels like I, even if he didn't con convince the people. It's this big facade of like, okay, I I at least have to pretend that I believe he's God, because if I don't, then I could be killed and my family could be killed and all of these things. And so it's like, oh, for sure. The people just go with it for self-preservation. Oh yeah. No, that's a better put because yeah, to convince the people, uh, I don't, I think that's an, I mean, I'm sure there are some people who did believe that. Well, like there is in any kind of uh, craziness and cult, you have the go-alongs, yeah. you know, especially if you have cornered a little piece of your market and you're getting a little something, something on the side, whether it's, you know, you're hustling to get more money or more land or more power or more whatever. Yeah. Tax collectors who are skimming off the top, you know, things well, like yeah. that. No, I mean, that's how power structures work, right? Yeah. The closer you can get to the person in the power, the more power you kind of think you have, and then you can suppress somebody else. Mm-hmm crazy stuff, man. Well, and I also think about like the personal injustices of like when I read through some of the stories of this scripture, like the way I think of it today is like how many things that happened if I were that person, what I responded with, but that's not fair. <laughs> like, oh. And so I think of like, first of all, you know, sure. Mary being told that she's having a baby, I would have been like, um, but what? what? And then 
Joseph, who is like, well, okay, this isn't fair. Like I've done everything right. I've done everything culturally that I'm supposed to do. And now I'm going to be a social outcast because of this work that God is doing me. And then uh, the census being called. And really the sole purpose of the census is I want to count everybody so I can get more taxes, you know, and it's all a power. It's not about a census in terms of like, let's see how we can better serve and support the people in our community. Like, <laughs> I, bet they need, I bet they need better public health. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, that I'm like, wait, that's not fair. Like I'm eight months pregnant and now you're asking me to travel like for hundreds of miles. What? Nah. I mean, it's all. So like there's you're a the, big, powerful ruler. That kind of stuff doesn't matter to you. There's the systemic injustice that you yeah. were talking about of just like the constant oppression of the have nots. And then there's the personal injustice and those feelings of, but, but this isn't, this isn't what I wanted. This isn't fair. I don't think, I don't think that mattered. I don't think that if you're an oppressor and you're getting whatever it is you get out of being in power. I, I don't think you even think about that. No. That's not on your radar. That, you could care less. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so when this justice, so all this stuff is happening, all of yep. this injustice, yep, yep, yep. Uh, the prophecies before Jesus' birth say, like, there is a peacekeeper who's going to come. There's a bringer of justice in the name of the Lord that is is on its way. What do you think that people expected? Do you think that they were actually listening to the prophets and being like, oh, yay, finally, someone who's coming to save us? Or did they shrug it off and be like, nah, this is the way it has been. This is the way it'll always be, wishful right. thinking. Or do well, you think that they were like, oh, like a warrior is going to swoop yeah, yeah, in? Yeah. No, I think they were waiting for tanks to roll down the <laughs> Maybe not a tank, but uh, definitely their whole cultural understanding of flexing power to regain power was militarily. Mm-hmm. They didn't have a concept of... Not like uh, us today. Oh, no, no. We, we, <laughs> We've moved beyond no, we that. We are so much more sophisticated. <laughs> we know better. Um, oh, gosh. And then even in like... Uh, okay, I'm going to read to you all for just a little bit here. Isaiah 9 says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. i got to back up and say, you know, a lot of times we sing this uh, as a song or we hear it sung at Christmas and I don't think our little Christian brains handle the fact that this this was not being announced the morning of his birth. This was eons before. Like how long before? Oh, I knew you were going to ask me that. Hundreds of years or oh, yeah. like? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. At least hundreds. Wow. At least hundreds. Um, and see, so some of the language can imply a military, I think, aspect. Mm. Um, and I'm know. sure some, some false ideas identifications along the way. Like if this was prophesied hundreds of years ago, I'm yeah. sure that there's someone who like, oh, this this person must be the one. Or maybe it's this person or this person's conquering well, yeah. right now. Maybe they're the one. Well, yeah, because the, um, well, just listen to the language. A language has kind of, I think, a strong masculine kind of military. Uh, For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. Note him. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. So I think that already kind of paints a military picture. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. That's Isaiah 9. 
So my thought is like the people hear that and they're like, okay, we're going to get another King David, you know, and King David, if you read his story, I mean, he ha- he makes some questionable choices. He mm-hmm. murders a lot of people. He, you know, sure. is kind of a typical ruler of like, yeah, he brought his people uh, a lot of wealth and prosperity, but absolutely, probably Jesus isn't what people had in mind. <laughs> I, I don't think they did at all. We don't have any evidence that they were like, oh, you know what? I bet there is this, I bet we're setting up and it's going to be a whole different thing. Yeah. I mean, nobody documented that. Isaiah 11 says, the spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of understanding and of wisdom, the spirit of counsel and of might. Might is exactly what mm-hmm. it sounds like. The spirit of the knowledge, fear of the Lord, and he will delight in the fear of the Lord. He will not judge by what he sees with his eyes or decide by what he hears with his ears, but with righteousness, he will judge the needy with justice. He will give decisions for the poor of the earth. So if that is you, you know, you're probably feeling a little motivated. Like, oh, man, finally somebody for the little guy, mm-hmm. you know? But I think that there's probably still this like us versus them mentality of like, this is the person for us, the Israelites. Um, and the thought that this, no, this is this is for everyone to rule and reign over everybody. And we're all going to have peace what? together. No, and no, it's no, not no. going to be <laughs> like one group of people ruling over another group of people. Sure. Um, I mean. You may... Wait a minute. You mean the Messiah is not just for me? Well, maybe for Doug. Oh, gosh. Yeah. No, I think you're right. I think, uh, as is often the case. And we still do it, by the way. We still do that us versus them stuff. Well, American Jesus. And that God bless America, Jesus is for us, like that sort of thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm, We mm -hmm. do it. Okay. So, Jesus. Let's talk about Jesus for a second. So, when Mm -hmm. we say Jesus brings justice. Yep. Does it mean, because like you had this whole description in Isaiah 9, does it mean that Jesus is creating justice like with his presence or Jesus himself is justice? Like I don't really understand when we say that Jesus' birth brings justice, what it means. Because I actually think Jesus' birth dominoed into a lot of unjust actions because people were re- reacting to, like, right. out of fear to Jesus' birth. Like, Herod killed thousands of babies as a result of it. Um, John the Baptist's head was put on a plate uh, out of fear of Jesus. And the Pharisees were constantly working against Jesus. It's like a lot of unjust actions dominoed out of Jesus' coming. but. Right. But and why do you think those happen? It's all fear of and loss of power. Exactly. Yeah. And so uh, this new guy's in town, Jesus, and he, it's kind of like maybe I met when you said, you know, Jesus brings uh, justice. Um, perhaps, and this is not going to do justice to Jesus, but. To Jesus' justice. Uh, this is a, a, a new teacher, a new professor, a new way of doing that is presented into uh, the cultural psyche, right? And begins to catch hold. And so the, uh, the opposition of that begins to see, uh-oh, this is a threat to our power structure. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is appealing to uh, the poor, the, oppre- the very people that we base our power on holding down. He's beginning to lift up. 
uh, this could get dicey for us. We need to snuff that out. We don't want this to catch on. Yeah, because justice for them is bad news. Because if they're receiving justice, if equity is happening among the people, there's a great quote that says, um, when you have privilege, equity feels like oppression. Mm-hmm. Um, where they have had so much more than everyone around them. And they're saying, hey, guess what? You're equal to everyone else. You don't get more anymore. Yeah. It feels like oppression. And it, it's not. <laughs> but- no, but that's a, that was in that time... A new understanding because all of history had been built on uh, power. uh, Power uh, lies in the hands of the powerful, Mm -hmm. right? And if you can always keep the other people down, then you retain power, power to take their land, take their food, take their money, take their people and more, whatever. Well, okay. So if I'm going to push on this a little bit more, Everything that we're describing of what was going on in Jesus's time sounds exactly what's happening today. Mm -hmm. Um, There is injustice happening all around us. There is, you know, the haves are ruling over the have nots and making decisions to benefit themselves, all of these things. So how did Jesus's birth bring justice if we're still feeling that pain of unjust, unjust power? Yeah. Well, I think it didn't bring justice with a period at the end of the sentence. I think it brought the uh, a whole new way of thinking. And I, and I think it was such a radically new way of thinking that it is still uh, unsettling to people who are adept and adapted at holding on and keeping power. You know, uh, Jesus frequently spoke in a way that kind of created, I think, a question bubble over people's heads. Um, like, for instance, uh, he said, um, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. What? Whoever, whoever did that? He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. He read that one day in the temple and then rolled it back up and went about his business. Can you imagine how that kind of just was like? Jarring, yeah. A mental, like, kick in the brain pan, right? And um, I think we have continued to see that on the uh, Sermon on the Mount, you know, where he said, uh, you know, blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are those who mourn, blessed are the being, blessed are the hungry, blessed. Those were in that time all the cultural less thans, mm. the people who um, were discarded, were kind of cast aside. And here Jesus is beginning to lift them up. Um, and so I think we, to, to get to your point about our culture today, um, man, I think this should be a wake-up call or a reminder that even in the holiday Christmas baby Jesus season, it should call us to task for how how we do or don't live into whether it is our privilege or our understanding of the oppressed or our understanding of being a part of a system that oppresses people or whatever, that this is a, a, a task till we all are buried. Yeah. And it, I'm glad that you brought up Sermon on the Mount, because if we're looking for a definition of like, what is God's justice? It's Sermon on the Mount. 
of um, because I think that sometimes we get caught up in our own cultural view of justice, of like somebody's right, somebody's wrong, somebody wins, somebody loses when it comes to justice. And we think maybe about our legal system and the way that uh, justice is achieved. And that's not God's justice <laughs> at all. And so I think that it's easy um, as a Christian, even if you're like, you're trying really hard to improve every single day, it's hard not to fall back into our cultural understandings because that's, you know, surrounding us more often than scripture is yeah, for the most part. No, absolutely. I think if, um, I think maybe every day uh, we who are attempting to be Christ followers should read Matthew 5. Because through that you find the Beatitudes, then you find uh, these other great texts which are part of kind of our cultural psyche now. Like it says, you've heard that it was said an eye for an eye and a tooth for tooth, which is kind of feels like the world we live in. But I say to you, do not resist the one who's evil. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if anyone would sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. If anyone forces you to go a mile, go with him two miles. Give to the one who begs from you and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. You know, here we live in Texas and, and, you know, I'm afraid that if, uh, I think that would end up in a shootout mm-hmm. <laughs> with all the crazies carrying guns. You know, we don't, this is again, that whole, well, upheaval. in our justice system, I mean, that is the exact, an eye for an eye. Like yep. that is our justice system. It's about balancing the scales. And that's not <laughs> what Jesus is saying. He's saying justice is forgiveness. Justice yep. is turning the other cheek. And it just goes against everything we know about what it is to function in this world and to survive. Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, it, um, it, it is almost like we're in a, um, I don't know, scratch and claw kind of world to say, no, there is another and better way. And, um, I think sometimes we, uh, the church with capital C, uh, fall prey to not calling this out enough and not really challenging ourselves to, um, you know, to, to speak out more boldly. Yeah. And I, so man, I think we, uh, I, I, I'm excited to see the ways that through the kaleidoscope lens of Christmas, we challenge ourselves to be more of uh, justice agents. Mm. Well, I, I do want to take a look at the Christmas story specifically too. Okey-doke. So are there examples of characters in the Christmas story who received justice from Jesus's birth and maybe not in the way that we think? I don't know. Well, you know, so there's, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know exactly to receive justice, but there is some interesting like nuance in that. Like, so, um, I'm trying to find the Luke version real quick here. Um, so who, who was told the big announcement of Jesus birth? All right. Is it like the list of people? Cause who were out in the fields? My, oh, the shepherds. Yeah. Right. Cause I thought we were like, okay, Mary was told right. about Jesus. And right. then we have the shepherds in the, yep, who yep, yep. an angel well, chorus, whatever. So I guess when I thought of justice, I thought of people who were probably regarded as less than, well, shepherds were like, um, transient, unemployed, immigrant, illegal alien workers who were picked up at the Seven Eleven and sent out in the field to take care of the sheep. Mm. They were in that time. And in, even in the context today, 
considered, uh, well, I guess I'll trust my sheep with that guy. And who did the angels go to to announce the birth of Jesus? To the shepherds. So even that in that even in that announcement moment, I think it was like foreshadowing, foreshadowing to the Sermon on the Mount. Yeah, like, he didn't go to Caesar's house and go, "Hey, I need to talk to you this morning yeah. something over brunch." Uh, the angels went to the lowly shepherds out in the field, who, in the power structure of the of that day and time, could probably not have been much lower people. Mm. I think that was like. I love that. And so I don't know if that, does that answer the question a little bit? Yeah. No. I think that that's one of them of like the, the act of, um, choosing who to, and I, I think we see that pattern over and over again of like, I, it made me think of after Jesus's resurrection, who's the first person Jesus was revealed to it was Mary, Mary Magdalene. And so it's, constantly turning on its head what the cultural expectation is of like the expectation might have been Peter, like the sure. closest male Somebody. disciple, someone like benefiting from the patriarchy and trusting, you know, the highest, closest, whoever male. with this message. Yeah. yeah. And somebody who had had kind of um, a little power, influence, clout and, it, you know, uh, but it's, it's very, like God chooses people that God knows others won't believe. Yeah, a virgin, it's a young girl. Odd. Uh, again, that's a very uh, an interesting, you know, I think the whole birth narrative is a beginning of, of uh, maybe it's not even the subtlety of Jesus like, hey, I, I'm going to introduce a whole new way of being. So uh, a, a uh, the Messiah born to a teenage girl uh no matter where you call it, in an inn, in a cave, in a barn, whatever. I mean, nothing about Jesus' birth implied uh, royalty or uh, qualities of uh, privilege or anything like that. Then the birth announcement goes out to a bunch of guys hanging out in a field, mm -hmm. you know, watching some sheep. Okay, wait a, wait a minute. Oh, this can't be the Messiah. This doesn't fit any of the Messianic, you know, projections. Yeah. How do the Magi fit in to all of that? They're later, right? I yeah. don't. I can't remember well, that. Well, so story. for the convenience of the story, you know, uh, they're always there at the uh, nativity. But apparently, they were also kind of like astrologers, mm -hmm. and they saw the star. And the story goes that they followed the star, and it shone over Jesus. And they presented uh, gifts that were also gifts that were symbolic to be given to someone in power. Mm. So you know, maybe. Uh, I'm not as well read on that. <laughs> We've kind of redefined justice and what it what it means that Jesus's birth brought justice. Okay. How does this new idea of justice change what we thought we knew about God? Mm. I mean, I think it um I think it's always helpful to have our understandings of uh and our impressions of God tweaked. Mm. And, um, you know, I think we, we, when I say we, I should say me, I think in Western culture, I kind of think we adapt well to a, an idea of a, a kick-ass gun. <laughs> a big, <laughs> a big, mighty. Superhero. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's going to roll in and just set things straight. 
And this, again, like we've been talking about over and over again, this kind of sets that whole image on its ear, doesn't it? Yeah. Well, it's like this thing of like, if God is for me, who can be against me? It's Mm -hmm. that God is on my side sort Mm -hmm. of mentality, which is scriptural. So like, it's, (laughs) it's confusing of like, okay, did we not get it? Like, did we not understand what was trying to be said? Because we still cling to that. Yeah, I think there must be some kind of comfort in that. But then on the other hand, um, when I just sit quietly for a minute and you kind of let the whole idea of it kind of waft over me, I think that's way way to go, God. Hmm. That's a really creative way to be about um, changing the dynamic of the world. And, um, you know, um, I don't know. I don't know what I don't know that I don't know, but I think that uh, God and God's infinite creativity uh, kind of just said, well, maybe this will get their attention if we do it, uh, you know, 180 degrees different than everything has been happening. Uh, because, you know, even if you go back, and we're going to put a little link uh, in the content or something. In the episode description. There yeah. you go. That's what they call it. Uh I think it helps to see the whole panorama of God's attempt at justice throughout the book. You'll need to continue on your personal device. Sorry, something's gone wrong. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Is that your Apple Watch? Yes. Something has gone wrong. (laughs) You all don't know how many times throughout the day I get told that. (laughs) And I don't know how to turn that off. Perfect. Perfection. I love that. So anyway, enough said about all that, I guess. Maybe. So no, what what was the link that you're gonna put? Oh in yeah, 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 yeah. Thank you. The Bible Project, and uh, it gives this. Um, we were we were kind of laughing about our men goes. It's not quite Bible for dummies, but it's Bible in a way that helps some of us who are dense or have preconceived ideas of the story and how it's supposed to unfold. And there's a great link that I found just last night that helps understand this whole grand sweep from the beginning of the book to the back of the book about uh, God's own unfolding purpose of God's understanding of justice. Mm. Well, you did all of this research and you got really excited about it. And I want to honor some of that. So I just want to open it up and and ask, like, as you are diving into uh, justice, maybe watching that Bible Project video that, yep, of course, yep. I'll link to, um, what are some of the things that really, like, sparked your curiosity and got you excited about the how the justice unfolds? You know, I think most of all, it was rattling what I like to sometimes call my little snow globe world to think about uh, Christmas through uh, a more assertive lens than uh, baby Jesus lying in a manger and the customary Christmas carols and the Christmas pageant, but really kind of put some teeth in it and reminded me of what I think was Jesus' intention in the first place, which was to shift the paradigm of the world. And I think sometimes in my world, Christmas feels like the fulfillment of uh, uh, the Western paradigm of consumption and Mm -hmm. go and do and buy a whole lot of stuff and overcommit. Um, And what this helped me be reminded of is Christmas uh, my kaleidoscope this year is going to look different because it, it jars me to think about the oppressed, 
the disenfranchised, the held down, the, the have withouts. Um, and, uh, I really think that's what Jesus was calling us all to do in his birth in the first place. So maybe Christmas will be a little, uh, less passive for you this year than in well, previous yeah. years. And, um, cause I do think we like to get lulled in to the comfort of Christmas. We want those old Christmas hymns that we sing every year and we want to see all the lights and the snow and all the, maybe snow, I don't know, but yeah. <laughs> all of the, the beauty of Christmas and we want to have that warm, fuzzy feeling, but it, I like, I like you using the word assertive. Well, like I think it has a, a an element of nostalgia to it, hot chocolate, Bing Crosby, fires, everybody's Hallmark Christmas special and all that. And then if you hold over and against it, the dynamic of uh, pursuing justice, it feels a little bit like, you know, sandpaper. But I, I think that perhaps, in my mind, what that is, is really more the true intent of celebrating Jesus, is celebrating justice versus celebrating a trip around a Christmas tree with a bunch of presents. And uh, oh, the older I get, here I'm going to have an old guy moment. Uh, you know, I think that there are there's some really great things about Christmas, the, the Western concept of Christmas, and Santa and presents and nostalgia and da-da-da-da. That's, that's all good and fine. But that is a totally separate entity than the birth of Jesus and the call to justice. And I think... My research and my reading amped me up and reminded me um, that as hard as we try to uh, force a kaleidoscope image of, you know, like the obnoxious picture of Santa kneeling at the manger. Mm. Oh, my God. We, we, let's go on a rampage and take Well, all those. and that's what we try to do. We try to, as much as possible, take our culture and force fit it into our faith so that we can feel good about it. And so I remember, like, asking the question, why do we exchange gifts at Christmas? And the answer was, oh, because we're celebrating the greatest gift of all, Jesus. And so to represent that, we exchange gifts with other people to blah, 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 blah. And I'm like... No, you made all of that up. Like as an adult, I'm looking back on it and I'm like, we're taking cultural traditions and retrofitting them into our faith so that we don't feel like hypocrites. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, uh, I'll give you a good example. A, a friend of mine, and this is going to sound judgmental. We and, are not Scrooges, I promise. No, we're not Grinches. No, but it's just like, okay, <laughs> tell me this. Does it seem right for a church to sponsor a uh, come to a pancake breakfast with Santa, mm. I kind I kind of think not. Why, why? Let's leave that to the Rotary Club. You know, I don't think we need to try to market the Jesus, the Santa side to kids. Let's in, let's just full on Jesus justice to them, and they're going to get enough of that you know, hot chocolate and stockings and all that. Well, because because people love the cultural Christmas so much that the church tries to use it as a marketing tool to oh. lure people in <laughs> to the building. And so, and I'm a, I'm a marketer. So oh, I'm like, yeah, yeah, let's yeah, give yeah, away yeah. free stuff. Let's give away ornaments. Let's decorate yep, yep, everything. Yep, like, yep, yep. let's blow it out. Let's get people in the building. But oh. if we forget, because so like, I'm not necessarily against breakfast with Santa, you know, at a church. Why? But but it's okay to keep the joy. Like it's right. okay to celebrate the yep. things yep. that bring us joy and make us feel happy as long as that is not the point. 
So like okay. if the breakfast with Santa is something that brings people in, but what we're really going to do is share the story of Jesus and share the story of Christmas with this fam- this group of families. I don't know. Maybe that's a bait and switch. I don't know. But it, it's, it's a balance because I feel, I don't know if the answer is for the church to be like, reject everything right. that you've ever known culturally about Christmas. We're not putting up any trees. We're not putting up any wreaths. We're not putting up right. Christmas lights. It, it'll start to feel bleak. And like, Well, I don't think we have to reject it. I think we just have to clarify that they are not one and the same. Yeah. That there is a Western commercialization of Christmas that we... Uh, Man, I don't know. That probably has been around a bazillion years. You know, it started with all sorts of folk traditions with, you know, Europeans, let's blame it on them, uh, a long time ago. <laughs> and then, you know, uh, Western savvy marketing people got a hold of it. And, you know, man, I was, I'm, uh, I, I have great memories of the Sears and Roebuck Christmas toy catalog and a magic marker. We would oh, yeah. circle everything, you know, and, uh, and then, like, as it got a little bit closer, a little bit closer, all of a sudden, sh- baby Jesus would get shoehorned into the picture. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I've been thinking about what I want for Christmas since June, but I haven't been thinking about the birth of Jesus. <laughs> yeah. No, I haven't either. No, I, I hey, I'm just uh, a new justice convert. I just yeah. got saved. Like, I, I'm all about, I've already asked my granddaughters what they want for Christmas. But, you know, what if instead of what I want for Christmas, what? What is Jesus calling me to do this Christmas? Where, where could I give to clean water or better health care or, you know, I mean, come on, we have causes out the wazoo, but, um, you know, I don't know. I think I'm going to, I love this because I think you might know, I mean, for years I've been kind of a Christmas Scrooge. Like I just get in a little bit of a, uh, you know, seasonal funk. Well, Daniel says that too. He always says he's the Scrooge and and Mm -hmm. he wants to, you know, push away all of the materialistic elements of Christmas. Well, maybe it's because, uh, because we're such outstanding men of faith. Yeah. I think (laughs) that what happens is... If y'all were here, you would say, like, just this big old, like... Eye roll. Eye roll, yeah. <laughs> but, like, when any of us get caught in those that collision point of what it ought to be and what it is, mm. and we find ourselves in that, that, that you know, yeah. that point of pressure, we just kind of go... <laughs> But I think that part of the justice narrative is having grace for ourselves. Like, yeah, we're going to get caught up in it every now and then. And I love giving my niece and nephew presents at Christmas. And maybe I go overboard and and all of these things. And could I do better? Yeah, of course I could do better. But part of the justice is that I am offered grace. I am offered forgiveness through all of this, even when I get it wrong, even when the church gets it wrong, you know, which shocker, we get it wrong sometimes. (laughs) No. What would happen if, like one of my pet little projects is this thing in Arkansas called the Heifer Project. And it is the face of an organization that helps underprivileged uh, farmers and shepherds and all the different people. I mean, it's not just about uh, agriculture. What if you gave each one of your kids or your grandkid, duh, nieces and nephews, um, you bought a goat for a farmer in Africa in their name? How cool would that be? That would be really cool, but I will tell you right now, that can't be the only present. No, 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 no. <laughs> I'm just saying, use that as an introduction point. Yeah, yeah. You know, and how cool would it be, like, if, like, 
try to wrap a goat, right? Yeah. <laughs> a little stuffed goat. A little stuffed goat. And be goat. like, there's or, a real goat somewhere. Like you, you can give a flock of geese. You can give a, a hive yeah. of bees. Well, you know, my dad started doing that a couple of years ago. Um, every year for Christmas... All he maybe he's done it for the past three or four years. All he wants is for someone to make a donation to a nonprofit organization they believe in um, on his behalf. Yep. So he's like, "Hey, if you," and he doesn't even need it to be on his behalf. But he's like, "If you feel like the gift is making the donation in my name, then fine." But he's like, "All I really want is for you to donate somewhere." And, um, that's great. And I honestly, I have thought about adopting that too, because I'm like, what do I need? Like, I don't need anything. And honestly, with like how easy it is to access things, anything that you really need, you probably don't wait until Christmas to get it. No, I don't. And when, when I go Christmas shopping for other people, I always buy myself stuff. Just because it's a great sale, and I justify it because it's a great price. Hey, but I want to give oh. I want to give another uh, organization a plug. I don't get anything from them. Ten Thousand Villages is a trade company that uh, sells the goods of people in third world countries who are uh, artisans or craftspeople, and they uh, get the money goes straight back to them versus a whole bunch of retail in between. And they've got cool uh, pottery and jewelry and leather crafts and baskets and all that from all around the world. So uh, buying Christmas gifts from a place that actually like serves and supports. Yeah. Yeah. So if you want to feel a little bit better about yourself and about justice, maybe you shop uh, at their website. Well, and we've done the same thing in the past with Refuge for Women, right? We've supported Refuge for Women and they have um, the Survivor Made workshop where uh, it's women who have been victims of um, human trafficking and abuse are given skills to learn and be able to kind of turn their lives around and get back on their feet on their own again. And so they have this survivor made workshop that has beautiful leather goods that they have belts and purses and keychains and coasters and all sorts of stuff that is benefiting these women and this program to help them uh, learn job skills. And so there are so many organizations like that. I love the idea of us taking the responsibility and saying, okay, this year for Christmas, I'm going to become a part of God's justice story. And I'm going to see what I can do to bring justice to those around me. And it's not even necessarily making sacrifices because the things you just described, we're still giving people gifts. We're still, you know, leaning into those Christmas traditions, but we're doing it in a way that brings God's justice to people. And maybe that's the balance of like, um, instead of breakfast with Santa, it's doing an event or something that yes, we're, we're taking the Christmas traditions and we're turning them on their heads by making them something that benefits others. Right. Yeah. Even if you, um, I mean, I think there's all sorts of ways to play with this and I'm entertaining the idea of like dollar for dollar. Like if I spend a dollar in, um, you know, traditional retail establishment that I make a commitment to spend a dollar in a non-traditional retail Mm -hmm. establishment, you know, where it, a fair trade or, uh, you know, entrepreneurial starting organizations, you farmers know, small markets, business, farmers yeah. market, that kind of thing that, um, 
kind of helps, at least in my mind, make sure that a higher percentage of the income goes to the person who actually did the work. Mm. So so I've been asking everyone, I feel like, thank you. This was a great conversation this, around it justice. Fun. It was fun. Yep. Um, I've been asking everyone, what is your favorite kaleidoscope moment that was revealed in the Christmas story? And I'm defining a kaleidoscope moment as uh, a unique piece of the story that intertwined with other pieces to reveal God's amazing love. I don't know. Like, so I have a new favorite, maybe, just from all this reading. I love the idea that these dudes were hanging out in a field, uh, and this big old angel came rolling in with an announcement. And uh, so that's kind of a cool thing, because it kind of, uh, right off the top, set the story on its ear, right? Um, so I, I like that. I like... Um, well, and I do like what you said earlier about the shepherds of it is a precursor to everything Jesus tells us about what justice is. And I had never thought of it that way before of like, oh, the big story here is that uh, Jesus is going to redefine what justice is and what it means and who is served by it. And that begins with the big reveal coming to the dirtiest outsiders that you can imagine. Yeah. Like imagine like, uh, let's say it's in a media world. Like imagine if Jesus announcement was to, you know, podunk ABC small band with AM radio station in East Texas or something. Mm -hmm. And they were the ones that had the task of making the big, you know, breaking news, da, 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 CNN moment kind of thing. Uh, I also like the, the idea that Jesus was born like, God found a way like uh, the whole uh, no room in the end story to me is a front for uh, that God's uh, purposes will prevail mm-hmm. that, uh, you know, the expected was, you know, a safe, warm, moderately clean place for a baby to be born. Well, that didn't happen. Mm-hmm. But and so it, it's uh, it didn't happen. And then it didn't happen, but it wasn't available. But the story was still born. Yeah, and it almost is like God's telling us, "Hey, this thing's gonna be messy. Yeah, like, <laughs> this is gonna be messy, and it's gonna go. It's gonna come down in a very unexpected way. Yeah. Buckle up." Yeah. All right, Doug. Thank you so much for yeah. all of the prep work that you did Woo. today. <laughs> I just wanted to set the bar really high for my colleagues. Yeah. So, so. everyone, give Doug a shout out. Send him an email. Tell him how great of a job he Way did. To go. Uh, and let's let's continue this journey to Christmas together, shall we? Yeah, we shall. The Life Plus God podcast is hosted, written, and produced by me, Alyssa Robinson, and sponsored by Treach Memorial United Methodist Church in Flower Mound, Texas. If you live in the Flower Mound area, I invite you to stop by and see if Treach could be your new church family. You can learn more about all of our programs and events at tmumc.org. And I hope to catch you next week for our next episode of the Life Plus God podcast.